1: Good evening, Jundo. How are you today? I am great, even though I'm not who I was a moment ago, and I'm not who I will be a half second from now, let alone three minutes or 30 years ago. Where did little Jundo go? Baby Jundo! That's like Baby Yoda, right? Baby Jimdo. <laughs> or who was I billions of years ago? Who will we be in the future? All things are change. That's our theme today. Okay, change.
0: Change is interesting because we, when we wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, we don't notice that we've grown older, even though we have. But if we look at some photos from five or ten years ago, we can see the difference less hair, graying, a little bit more weight, etc.
1: Hey, I, I had a heck of a weekend. If I look at a photo from last Friday, I can notice the difference. But <laughs> yes, they, we're, you know, the, the hairs grow gray, they fall out. Uh, there's a few more wrinkles on the face, uh, a couple of inches more on the middle. We are not the same as we were when we were young, but yet we are the same. There's some continuity there, and that is one of the great puzzles of our life. How are we the same little baby, the teenager, the middle aged person, the old man in his dotage? How are we all the same? But yet we are not, because we are constantly changing. Buddha said, All composite things are changed. Ask me what composite things are.
0: Can you explain what composite things are?
1: Glad you asked that. Composite things are things, factors of events, our own lives, our own bodies, that are various circumstances and factors that have temporarily come together to create the objects around us, the animals, the birds, the trees, but our own bodies, the cells within us. And these factors are together for a time, but then when the factors start to dissipate, our bodies will decay and our lives will be over. But really, nothing is still. Everything is constantly in motion. So we say that there are composite things that are always changing. But the wonderful thing about Buddhism is there's something beyond and right at the heart of all that, that is beyond all change.
0: I'm going to guess that it is a continuity of changelessness that is beyond all change.
1: Wrong. It's a Continuity of changesness that is beyond. Oh, that's what you said. Yes, you're basically right. (laughs) Now, now again, in Buddhism, we're cautioned not to be eternalists. This is a very fine point. You know, in uh, in some religions, in Hinduism, even in some corners of Buddhism, there there is a belief in an eternal something, an eternal God, an eternal Brahma, even an eternal Buddha. We tend to avoid the word eternal. For timeless. What's the distinction? It's something that leaps beyond all question of time or no time. What is it that is beyond all time or no time? I know you don't. That's why I get the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting. Just the other day, I came across some discussion of like multiverses and quantum stuff and things that I right. don't really understand. But the idea of time itself involves both timelessness and change, because time obeys certain laws of the universe that exist now. But in some future universe, the laws will be different, so time will be different, won't it?
1: Well, I was speaking to my physicist friend Severio. He's a theoretical physicist from Italy. Uh, And I said, Severio, this is a point of common ground between Buddhists and physicists. We all know that our idea of time and causation is somehow partial. There must be something about reality that is just different from our idea of time and causation. We think everything must have, have a beginning, the Big Bang or even God. But then the question, what came before the Big Bang? Or what came before God? So the physicists now know, and the Buddhists have always known, that there is something beyond our vision of beginnings and endings and time. But it's hard for us to get as human beings. Why? Because we live in a world of time. I get up in the morning, it's 7 o'clock. I go to bed at night, it's 11 o'clock. I look at the calendar, the calendar is changing, the leaves are falling off the tree. We see change in time, so we think that it must be everywhere in everything. But there's something about the universe beyond all that.
0: The problem with concepts like this is, if we spend too much time thinking about them, then we spend too much time thinking about them. Does right. that make sense? They're they're interesting theoretically, but I think they lead people down the wrong path of trying to find an answer instead of understanding that it's just a question.
1: That is exactly right. But there is one freeing part to it, and that is that we feel we're finite beings who are bound by time. We feel that we're born, we spin around for a while, for a few years, and then one day We're gone. So we feel that we're prisoners of time. Time is our enemy. You know, the executioner waits for us. But to the extent that we realize that we are all of what's going on and that this all that's going on is somehow timeless, ipso facto, we are also all this, and we, deep down, are also timeless did i blow your mind
0: yes yet we deep down are also change and i'm not talking about the change yes of we are things you learn and as you grow older but the the fact that things are constantly in motion that they're constantly evolving and what's the word i'm thinking of
1: changing Well,
0: I didn't want to say change again. I wanted to find a better word. I'm a writer. I should find a better word. Well, change
1: your word. Use a different word. Change it. Get a thesaurus and you can change your word. The wonderful thing for the Mahayanist is we know that we say form is emptiness. Emptiness is form. You've heard that from the Heart Sutra. Yes. Change and the changeless are the same, two faces of the same whatever. The clock. And the clock list, what cannot be measured, is the same. So, for example, that means that even though I am in a world of time where I'm looking at the clock here and we've been doing this podcast for some eight minutes here, it's also something beyond measure and time right in it. That means that I can live in this world and be free of this world at once. Now I blew your mind.
0: You did. This is one of these really subtle concepts. And we discussed uh, koans in a previous episode. I'll put a link in the show notes. And while we don't do koan study, where you are given a koan by the teacher and you have to figure it out, I do find it interesting to read through some of these books of koans just for the little stories that they tell.
1: Well, this is a koan.
0: Well, it is. And change is something that comes in often subtly in Zen koans.
1: Well, there's, there are lots of koans about time. I'll give you one of my favorites. At the end of the universe, the, the, the Buddhists believe that the end of the universe was going to go out hot, you know. But Buddhists are now, uh, with the, uh, the physicists are now saying we're going to go out cold. But that's not the point. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The point of the koan is, at the end of the universe, where does all this go? There are two answers to the koan. One answer is, oh, when the universe ends, all this goes too, because it's the end of all this. But the other answer to the koan, equally true, is at the end of the end of time, where does all this go? It doesn't go, because it never came from anywhere, because it's beyond time and causation. That's a famous koan. Okay,
0: that's some heady stuff. How can we apply the understanding of change to our lives? Ah, very good. One of the things about Shikantaza and other forms of meditation is the the, the way that concepts like this seep into us over time. And we have to appreciate and understand that change and changelessness both exist. How do we do that?
1: It's very freeing for a simple reason. We allow ourselves to flow with time. I came from a family where my dear mother loved her very much, but she noticed every wrinkle that appeared on her face as if it was a tragic, oh, you should have seen me when I was young, she would say. And she would spend hours with the latest makeup and the cream and going to the beauty parlor to try to fight the years. You know, she was a beautiful woman, even when she was old and gray. Still a beautiful woman, but she she would resist time. The Buddhist should learn to flow with time. Now, that doesn't mean we just accept the ravages of time. I did my exercise bike today, and I'm trying to stay in some shape. Because all things are changed, but no need to rush it. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> impermanent, but, you know, no need to push it, you know. so. We, we try to expand the expiration date as much as we can, but at the same time, accept the flowing of change, which means when you're young, just be young. When you're middle-aged, just be middle-aged. And when you're older, just be older. When you're healthy, just be healthy. And when you're sick, just be sick, even though you try to maintain your health as best you can, like that.
0: You were just talking about your grandmother and wrinkles, and we see change as a bad thing, but change can also be a good thing, can't it?
1: It is a good thing for the simple reason that there could not be life without time and change. It would be frozen, stagnant. For us to live, every day must change. There must be something new. We must be free to take new roads and turn new corners. The world is the product of evolution from billions of years until today. If there was no change, there would be no life right now, and our lives would be impossible. It would be a dead and frozen world. Change is vital.
0: Now, you said something very interesting, that we look for change, we want change, but some people want too much change. Some people can't be satisfied with the way things are going and expect change all the time. And, And I think that in those cases, The people aren't seeing the subtle changes that are going on in their lives, and they're searching for more big changes, like a new relationship, moving to a a new house, getting a different job, etc.
1: You know, if you sit very, very still, as we do in Zazen, and just observe, you will see that actually what looks still around you is constantly changing. The light in this room as the sun moves through, constantly changing. The flowers outside in the breeze constantly blowing. The insect walking across my desk constantly moving. Nothing is still. Life is always moving. But some people do push for too much change. They're never happy where they are. They want more, more, more need new, new, new. That's not good either. But to be stagnant, if we were too stagnant, we would have never gotten out of the cave. We would never get out of bed in the morning. We would never have discovered fire or gone to the moon. What's the answer? Ask me what the answer is. What's the answer? Glad you asked. The answer is to learn for human, not just in our own lives. I'm saying this for humankind. Humankind. We need to learn to go forward But be satisfied where we are every step of the way. This is the trick. So when you're at square one, at the beginning of the mountain, at the foot of the mountain, be satisfied. But if you wish, you could stay in the parking lot. You can stay at the foot of the mountain. But if you wish to move forward, go, go, go. But every step, consider to be no place to go but there. And keep moving. Now, that means you're not addicted to where you go, but you don't have to be frozen either. It's the best of both worlds. And that's what Buddhism Buddhism is often about, having the best of both worlds in this world in which we live.
0: Yes, that sort of middle way between the excess of too much change and the, I guess, negative excess of stagnation.
1: Yes, and also knowing the changeless that's in the change too. How can we learn to recognize?
0: When change is good and change is bad.
1: Nothing is completely good or completely bad. There's the famous Chinese story. There was a farmer and uh, his son was plowing the field and the son broke his leg. And everyone, the neighbors came and said, oh, what a tragedy. Your son broke his leg and cannot finish the plowing. And the farmer said, maybe so, maybe so. But then the army came to try to draft all the young people in the village. And they left the son because he had a a lame leg. And it turned out that it was a good thing. So the the neighbor said, oh, it's a good thing. Your son was not taken by the army. And the farmer said, maybe so, maybe so. But then uh, something else happened and it would have been good. And it keeps going on like this. The things you think are bad also turn out to be good. And the things you think are good All sometimes turn out to be bad. And much of life is this way. So any change, I think, has a good and bad side. As I like to say, my grandparents met because of World War II. And generally, World War II is not considered a good thing. (laughs) But personally, for my family, it had a happy side. So, you know, but uh, no, nothing has a completely good or bad side to it. But when is change bad? Well, you know it when you see it. When something bad happens, it's bad. And when something good happens, it's good. That's that's a uh,
0: but you don't always see it until much after the something happens. That's right. There can be a change that occurs now with results a year or more down the line. Yes. yes. So it's really hard to know.
1: Well, that's uh, karma. We don't know. We say generally good uh, actions have good effects, but it could be uh, far down the line, lives down the line. Yes. But uh, generally, generally uh good things uh, are good because uh, the human heart says hey that's a good thing but i thought we were supposed to be beyond all good and bad no no we are we are you see this is again the two sides get this about the two sides would you the two sides are no we are beyond good and bad we are beyond all judgment but at the same time in this this life we're living we have things we see as good and we have things as bad but this is where You know, all the complicated philosophy goes out the window. Uh, What is a good thing when something good happens? uh, What's a bad thing? Well, you know, when something bad happens, I'm not going to, you don't have to be a philosopher, (laughs) write 500 pages on it. Bad stuff. It's bad. You know, like getting sick or your kid crashing your car, you know, bad stuff. Yes, but maybe
0: that getting sick prevents you from being constricted by the army and saves your life. Like the Taoist story I just told you, right? Exactly. As you said, World War II and your grandparents and all that. So we can't even tell. We can't even see what's good and what's no, bad. No,
1: actually, uh, it's, it's my, if you look at almost any event that has happened in your life or in, in, in history, you will see almost every one had good and bad effect. So we cannot say uh, we we're, we're here right now because of all that came before, and that means the good stuff and the bad stuff, and without it, we wouldn't be here. So you have to accept that uh, that all change doesn't necessarily go the way we want, but change goes the way it goes, and that's one of the reasons we flow with it. We accept it um, and when I had uh, when I was sick in the hospital. I didn't want to be there. But when I'm looking at it now three years after, I'm actually kind of happy about it. It's very strange to explain. It actually turned out to be a very positive part of my life. It all has a good effect. I couldn't I couldn't be who I am now without everything that came before. But we don't realize that at the time. So many people try to
0: just ignore change or push it away rather than accept it. And you have said that a couple of times earlier. We just have to go with the flow. Right. But it's kind of like surfing in a way. Now, I don't surf, so I'm just saying it kind of looks like surfing, right? You're on this board. You've got these waves. you got to stay up
1: and not get swallowed. Hey, you know what it's like? It's like dance. Uh, somebody wrote a book. It's called The Zen Master's Dance by, by Jindo Cohen. Uh, that's uh, actually my book, that I wrote because I was sick in the hospital three years ago. You see, it all connects. And I said, dance through this dance, this Master Dogen's dance. He saw the whole universe dancing. Dance through this dance, which is sometimes a dance of smiles and sometimes a dance of tears. But it's the whole dance, and it's a timeless dance.
0: I'm not good at dancing. I've never been good at dancing.
1: No, I, I'm not either. That's why I wrote a book on dance, because I have two left feet.
0: Yeah, I, but I think we can see the dance as metaphorical as it well. It's, it's the surf. It's the walk um, through the forest, you know, stepping around obstacles. It's, it's, it's the everyday. It's, it's walking down Fifth Avenue and weaving your way among people.
1: It's walking naked in a forest like in our last episode. All our episodes of this podcast are starting to connect. Have you noticed that? that they're all, they are. They're all, they're all linking up here, yes. Yes.
0: There's something about this interconnection that might be a podcast topic as well.
1: Well, all change is uh, somehow interconnected. Every corner of the universe is changing and affecting every other corner of the universe. And if it wasn't all changing, uh, we would not be here as the composite things that have momentarily appeared in this little corner that is all that change. Change is good.
0: So here's just an example, a concrete example. Um, I have a loaf of bread rising in the kitchen. Yes. I took some flour that someone else had ground um, that had grown in a field. Grains had grown, it had been ground into flour. And I took some flour, added yeast and salt and water, and it's going to be bread in about an hour that's a very interesting example of how things can change if you look through the whole process of what it takes to make a food any kind of food i think it was tiknat han who said that if you look at a blade of grass you can see the sun
1: well uh, he was talking he said a piece of paper is his famous one and he said in the piece of paper you see the sun and the rain and the lumberjack and uh, you see all that came in to make the piece of paper. And then, I, I you know, the I, I've been giving a series of talks recently about this in Master Dogen. And Master Dogen took that image and he would have blown it up. He would have said, in the, in the paper, man, you see the shining. You see the rain shining. You fold the paper <laughs> like an origami and lumberjacks spill out, countless lumberjacks pouring into the heavens. You know, Master Dogen loved that that play with words but it's all the idea that everything contains everything which means every moment contains every other moment the past and the future is contained in this moment and this moment is contained in every instant of the past which means that all change is connected into all other change it's a chain of change boy what i got to write a song chain of change dee, dee, dee. No, you told me not to sing. (laughs) You told me not to sing. Sorry.
0: No singing. No, no, no. no. We'll lose listeners if you sing. Okay. You make Dogen sound like a stoner sometimes. And I wonder if he didn't do things like mushrooms or whatever they had back then, or if he was just, his mind was just so out there. He, he was just brilliant. Uh, um,
1: I, I don't think he was a 13th century hippie, no.
0: I well, don't. maybe he was, though. He, he, he turned his back on the big cities. He went to live in a mountain. That's pretty hippie-ish.
1: Well, uh, on the other hand, uh, Zen monks tried to freeze change. How do
0: you freeze change? This is, didn't that happen in one of the Star Wars movies?
1: Oh, the, that was where they put uh, uh, Harrison Ford in there, and he came back like two pictures later. He was in the. He was in the. Yeah. They put him in the 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 thing, and he was kind of frozen, in there. Yeah. 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 But then, uh, the the Zen monks try to do that with their lives a bit, because in the monastery it's the same, day in and day out and day in and day out. So their way of realizing freedom of change is to, go into the most repetitive lifestyle possible. But at the same time, when they do that, they notice the small changes, that from one day the incense stick burns a little differently than the day before the incense stick. No two incense sticks or candles burn the same way. No two times you ring the bell is it exactly the same bell ringing. So even though you may do the same thing every day, if you look closely, it's always different. I'll give you an example in my own life. Every morning I get up, I make coffee, right? Simplest thing. Put in the coffee filter, put the coffee in the water, push the button, right? It's never the same, never goes the same way. Some days it's a disaster. You know, I end up with coffee all over the counter. Other days, a magnificent pop. (laughs) Why? It's the simplest thing. Put the water, push the button. Boom. Nothing is ever the same. All things are changing and it's always different. And that's why life is magnificent. Always a million, billion, trillion different things happening. Okay, Roshi, where do we go from here? I know. but You know, don't go to a a, a Zen monastery with a $100 bill. You know why? Why? They don't make change.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.